I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel live broadcast. Today, I'm delighted to be here with John Kelly, who has recently completed a second Barclay Marathons. Absolutely incredible. How are you doing today, John? Doing pretty well. How are you? Yes, very good. Thank you. Sunny skies out here today in the UK. Um, so if you're new to the channel and you haven't yet watched the previous interviews that I've done with John or seen him popping up in the Ultra Running Advice series filmed at the National Running Show where we met a couple of years back, John is a super prolific ultra runner from Tennessee who grew up with the Frozen Head Barkley Marathons Mountains as his pretty much your backyard, didn't you, John? Yeah, just r right across the road there. Yeah, and so um, John and his wife have four kids, and you're back in the US now, aren't you, John? But you re recently relocated to the UK. Was that for a year or so? Was it two years? Uh, I was in, in the UK for a bit over three years. Did, uh, did you get caught in COVID in the UK? Yeah, yeah. so I, I hope it will forever remain the greatest irony of my life that I moved my family uh, across an ocean with the sole intent of building a team in person at our company. And then ended up working remote for, for most yeah. of the time. <laughs> the irony, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you got to meet a few of them eventually, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think you had other reasons for moving to the UK. I think it was so you could annoy our other recent interviewee and Barclay hopeful Damien Hall by not liking tea and smashing all his Pennine Way records. <laughs> Well, we we had a fun back and forth, you know. I got to have a, a lot of good adventures while I was over there, and uh, build a lot of friendships that uh, will will last long beyond my return. Yeah, awesome! It was really fun seeing you and Damien Hall going head to head on the pen I'm wearing. He has actually got the fastest known time record on there now, so you'll have to pop back for a little holiday, won't you? Well, he he has the the men's fastest time on the spine. Uh, he he has not gotten the the record back on the the Pennine Way itself. Oh, okay. I thought that he'd got the Pennine Way record back. Um, no. Oh, no. no, I he, spoke he, to him lately, didn't he? Yo, he's he's not doing it this year. Um, yeah, he's leaving it with you for a while. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he he had a go at it last year, but I, I know that he had some some really tough wind and and some which you know. I feel like it wouldn't be the Penine way if you if you didn't go out there and have some sort of rough conditions to to go with. But he he definitely had some strong headwinds when he gave it a go last year. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll we'll wait for that then. So that record is still standing with you. And then you also smashed the Wainwrights record while you were over here, didn't you as well? Yeah, that was a a fun last trip through the through the lake district just right before i headed back that was uh just incredible to get to to see you know essentially the, the full lake district in in one go yeah uh, and just have incredible support and, and people joining me out there along the way 
Yeah, it was. It looked amazing. Amazing few days on there. And congratulations for for completing for um, completing that and beating the record. And then you also completed another incredible FKT fastest known time. But in fact, this was an only known time, isn't it? Because you just made this one up yourself. It's called the Grand Round. And can you say in a nutshell what that comprised, John? Yeah, it's it's something that. Uh, I, I put together as, as an idea when I found out I'd be moving to the UK and wanted to, to cram in as much as possible. So the, the three classic big fell running rounds were, were very appealing to me. The, the Bob Graham round in the Lake District, of course, and, and then also the, the Patty Buckley round in Snowdonia and the, um, the Charlie Ramsey round in, in the, the Lockwood region there in Scotland, uh, starting in Fort William. And I thought it sounded like good fun to, to do them all uh, consecutively and, and ride my bike in, in between them. So I, I had a go at it not much more than a month after I first moved over there and did the first two rounds, hopped on my bike to head to Scotland and just decided that I was, I was too far gone, uh, too sleep deprived to, to, to safely uh, cycle up that, that that narrow road uh, up into the highlands and and so called it there and came back and had another go at it the the next year and uh, made it all the way around not not quite in my time goal uh, but but made it all the way around yeah yeah well it, it even if it wasn't your time goal it's still the fastest known time on that route um, and nobody has even attempted it yet have they I haven't heard of any attempts on it have you uh, so the, there have been a, a couple people that uh, I think have have looked at variations of it, which, uh -huh. which is, uh, I mean, fantastic. Uh, the, the more that these sorts of, uh, crazy ideas and personal projects can, uh, spawn other crazy ideas and personal projects that, that really just get people fired up. That's, that's great. But I, I don't believe there have been any other, uh, attempts, certainly not any completions of it. Uh, other than Mike Hartley's original uh, completion of the three rounds, but but driving between them uh, instead of cycling between them. Yes, yeah. Well, it's quite a tall order, so um, we'll wait with bated breath for anybody who wants to try and tackle that one. <laughs> um, but so everyone who's listening can see that John's no stranger to ultra challenges. But out of everything that you do, or that you dream up, or that you kind of um have done in the past apart from going up against your own nemesis the security light and falling off that ladder would you say that the Barkley marathons has been the hardest challenge of all of these things that you do so hard is a a, a very relative term here and th there are many different types of hard uh different different challenges uh different different types of pain from, you know, from a 5k up to, uh, these five day events, uh, like the Wainwrights and the, the grand round that I've done. So I would say Barkley is, is definitely the hardest in, in terms of completion. Uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it's something where you're, you're either going to finish or you're going to fail. And, and most of these other things that I've done, uh, there's a much more forgiving spectrum in, in terms of, of how you finish. You know, maybe I could have done the Penine Way a bit faster. Maybe I could have done it a bit slower. Uh, but either in any of those cases, I, I was going to finish. So Barkley just provides a, a much more harsh, uh, unforgiving cutoff there where, where you're kind of constantly uh, up, up against uh, the clock and, and being able to, to get around and, and get that done. And, and we see that with its intended and uh, actual 1% finishing rate. Yeah, and because three people finished this last year, maybe do you think Laz will make it harder next year? That's what everyone assumes. I'm not very convinced that he'll make it uh much harder, uh, I think maybe a little bit, but if, if you look at, at what happened this year, uh, I mean, it was very good conditions. It was a very good start time. Uh, you had myself who has finished 
before. Uh, Carl has been out there for a number of, of years um, and, and gotten progressively better in, until his, his finish this year. And it, it, it shouldn't get to a situation where you have to have perfect conditions and a perfect start time in order to finish. So I, I think that most likely next year it might be just a little bit harder uh, with maybe a worse starting time and more normal conditions. Uh, and, and so that'll kind of balance out the, the difficulty in itself without making it impossible, which is not something that he wants to do. Yes, yeah. And because you've done it six times, is that right now? Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, I, I thought just five, but no, you're right. It's it's six. With this year, yeah. And so, how does it compare that first time to the second time that you did it? I'm interested to know. Um, was it a, a similar feeling when you crossed that finish line? Well, the red, the yellow gate, the second time, or did the first time just really trump everything? Uh, it was. It was very different for a, for a few reasons. One was the. Uh, just the the different feeling of of a second time versus a first time, and, and the other was uh, the mental state that that I was in. Uh, well, and then also very different conditions. So the, the first time, uh, I I was in rough shape. Uh, we had very bad conditions. It was cold and wet and foggy and, and rainy on on the last loop. Uh, I was pretty far gone as, as far as sleep deprivation goes. I was struggling to stay awake uh, just to get down the easy trail to, to the finish. Uh, and so it was basically just a tunnel vision focus on getting to the gate and, and touching it, uh, lest I forget where I was and what I was doing and wander off somewhere and or take a nap and, and not finish. Uh, this this time we we had a beautiful day uh, on the last loop. Uh, I was fully uh, coherent uh, and and got to enjoy that and uh, appreciate it and, and kind of take it in as I finished. So that was uh, a great thing to, to be able to have those sorts of moments that I, I missed out uh, on the first finish. Uh, but of, of course the the kind of I think level of personal achievement and, and satisfaction going from zero to one uh, is higher than it is going from from one to two. Uh, so it was just uh, you, you know th this time around was was great to, to join a group of just Jared and and Brett Mountie who have finished more than once and to you know prove to myself the first time wasn't a fluke. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's great to be able to see also the, really in, in Carl and, and those guys get a, a first finish, which is just a, an incredible experience and, and achievement for them. Yeah, it certainly looks like an amazing year to be doing the Barclays because Jasmine and Damien also had really good times um, on on the course as well this year. Um, so very exciting to see what they can do in future years. Um, and we'll ask you about your future plans at the end of the at the end of the interview. But I just wanted to sort of wind it back really and ask you when you first found out about the Barclays and when did you first become interested? Because as a race that gets held annually in your backyard, um, how did you did you just stumble? across it one day or how did you find out about it uh we kind of knew there were these people that that came out uh once a year and ran around the park we, we didn't know much uh, about it beyond that um running uh, of any sort isn't a big thing uh, in that area. I mean, the local high school doesn't even have a, a track team or a cross country team or, or any of that, which, um, I mean, in, in the U S that those, that's very commonplace. Uh, yeah. that, that was actually one thing I, in the UK, I struggled to find a, a track when, when I, I wanted one, whereas in the U S pretty much every high school has, has a track at it. Really? Oh, okay. uh, but, but not, not at the local high school here. It's a very rural area. And, and so this, this whole concept of going out and running long distances was just completely foreign. Uh -huh. um, I found out about it more from 
when I got back into long distance hiking and backpacking, uh, which was kind of grad school time period. And uh, I had a good friend uh, from that who who showed me an article uh, about the Barkley marathons and uh, kind of read into it and said, oh, that's that's what these people were doing. That's that's cool. That would be, um, you know, I would love to do that, but I'll never be able to do that. So, uh, you know, that that's that at the time. And then you got into more of the hiking and more of the running, and then you gradually thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll write to Laz and see if he lets me in. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, like you said, I progressed in, in my running and uh, the, the kind of adventures out in the mountains that I was doing. And, and as I progressed and, and got better and did more things, kind of went from, I can, I can never do that to, uh, well, maybe I'll, I could give it a go and, and just see what it's like uh, if I get in to, you know, maybe I could, I could actually uh, ha- have a legitimate shot at this. Yeah, and legitimate shot you gave it. And so to do something like the Barclays, how do you personally train for that? Is it a, Do you train for the Barclays or are you training for other ultras throughout the year and then just use that fitness at Barclays? Because it's very hilly, isn't it, um, in Frozen Head State Park? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's evolved quite a bit. Uh, since those those initial uh, attempts, uh, starting off, I I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience uh, in in ultras in in general uh, at the time. Um, and so I found out I got in and just kind of panicked and said, "Well, where where are the hills? Uh, I need to go run all the hills. I, I mapped out my neighborhood and, and went and found like the tiniest little hills uh, all over the place uh, that, that I could go do repeats on. And over time, that, that kind of progressed to where I, I learned more what I was doing, what actually worked, what I needed to do, what I didn't need to do. Uh, my, my family was growing at the same time. So I I had to be more efficient. I I had less time to waste, uh, doing pointless hill repeats and and other things. And for the past four years now, I've I've been working with, with a coach, uh, David Roach, who also coaches Damien. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the the focus really has been on just maintaining fitness as, as high as I can throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then in the month or two leading into Barkley uh, or, or leading into a specific event, kind of honing that fitness, uh, targeting it towards the specific race with some more uh, vert and, and technical terrain that, that I'm training on. Yeah, and and you mentioned your family was growing, and, and now it's four children. How do you fit that in with balancing family life, and and more particularly, like I've only got one kid, and if he wakes up in the night at like four o'clock in the morning and doesn't want to go back to sleep, or wakes up at one and is up for two or three hours, how do you have? How do you not just be exhausted? Because <laughs> you've got four opportunities there for someone to wake in the night. It, yeah, well the the. They're pretty well past that at this point, fortunately. Uh, but it that part did present a, a bit of a challenge, as, as well as my, my job uh, at, at an early stage startup, which which kind of knew no bounds on the working hours uh, and could get quite bad at times. Uh, I've been very fortunate to to have the support of of my wife throughout that and, and kind of balancing things in, in terms of what we're both able to do and uh, when one of us uh, most needs rest, uh, that, that can get the, the priority. Uh, but it's, it's definitely been something that uh, I've, I've learned as my family has grown and as my uh, ultra running has become more serious and and it's been very necessary to have those two things uh in in parallel if i went back to to what i knew and and what i was trying to train and and do early on 
and had, you know, four kids at that time, it just, it wouldn't work. There's, there's no way. So one of the biggest things, uh, back when I was going into an office each day, uh, all of my workday miles were my commute. That, that was it. So th- those, those were free miles as, as far as time goes. I, I wasn't, uh, spending any additional time, you know, I, I was working in downtown DC and I could run or at, at times ride my bike down there pretty much as fast as I could take the Metro. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I, and I never caught on fire, uh, when I ran, uh, downtown as opposed to the Metro at oh, times is, yeah. is known to do that. Wow. <laughs> so side benefit there. Yeah, definitely. And, that's a big, that's a big uh, upside to that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and then outside of that, uh, long runs in particular, uh, trying to make kind of family outings out of them uh, where I might run to a destination, uh, you know, a, a park or the zoo or something else to visit. And then, uh, my, my family will get up and, and drive and, and meet me there and, and we'll have a day out. Uh, and then any of the, the races that I do or other things try to make a, uh, a family event out of it. You know, we, we kind of made our summer family holiday last year going out to uh, Colorado uh, ahead of Hard Rock. And there are times definitely where uh, – you know, you, you have to, to make sacrifices. You have to compromise. I was planning on running a 50 miler, uh, last weekend actually. And then my, my daughter had her dance recital that day, which, you know, is, is her, her one thing for that in the year. And, and so, uh, 50 miler was, uh, out. I, I might do a, an FKT instead, which is more on my own schedule whenever I can fit it in. So it, it's, it's, Definitely a balancing act and, and just communication and, and making the whole family a part of it as much as possible rather than something separate to, to fit into another compartment. Yeah, like it's not like, oh, dad's disappearing again. It's like, hey, kids, come along. This is what dad does. Yeah, yeah. I, it's really yeah. wonderful. I love all your Instagram. If you're not following John on Instagram, definitely give him a follow. It's at Random Forest Runner. And there's loads of lovely pictures of you out doing things with your kids, um, up mountains and things with them, like all four of them, like right from like it's nine now, your oldest and the little one as well. It's just, yeah, it's really cute and it's and it looks lovely. Um, but I, I do want to just mention we have got, a patron question from Hannah um, who wants to know um, how your hand is now because of the fight with the security light and the, the ladder. Um, <laughs> can you just um, let her know how you're doing and um, and tell everyone what happened? Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, so I mean, I, I had a it was this wrist. It's it's my my non-dominant wrist, which was fortunate. Mm. Uh, but I. I was uh, an idiot on on a ladder and set it up horribly and uh, didn't tried to do it myself and and it slid out from under me. Uh, I slammed into the the asphalt on top of the ladder from about you know 20 25 feet high. I uh, was very fortunate that I ended up with just a uh, a non displaced fracture on my non-dominant hand, uh, bruised ribs. Uh, I still have some scars on, on my shins where it just kind of left some marks, but, but didn't damage the bone. Uh, it, it was the bruised ribs that, that were the worst, uh, that made it to where all, all I could do was just very slowly shuffle along for about a week. Cause just any movement at all, just, you know, Felt like I was getting stabbed in the chest uh, every step. Uh, so the the wrist is 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 good now. I, I can still you know if I, I try to put too much weight on it, I, I can still still hurts a bit. I, I think that's more like lingering ligament damage probably than than the bone itself. Uh, but Barkley was was the first run I had gone on without my my cast. <laughs> And the, and the wow. first time that I, I had used poles uh, since uh, or sticks be, before the, the accident. So the, the timing worked perfectly. 
Yeah, it really did. It definitely didn't hold you back with that completion of the Barclays. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, so, so just before we get into the actual Barclays itself, um, Damien came to visit you, didn't he, in Tennessee? Um, did he stay with you, I think, um, or stay near you? And you took him out and showed him the sights and, and showed him the food. How was that? Yeah, so he, he was staying nearby. Uh, he came out about, about a week early to... Uh, be able to get out in Frozen Head and, and to learn uh, the park, learn the terrain and, and what to expect a, a bit. And uh, I, I took that chance to uh, go on some runs, uh, show him around out there and uh, also show him some of the, the local fine dining and, and cuisine uh, as, as I just had the uh, opportunity to spend three years uh, plowing through through UK uh, <laughs> delicacies. So I wanted to return the favor there. What is it about tea that you don't like? <laughs> I well, think Damien's very offended by this. <laughs> the, the kind of tea we drink around here is is the kind where, you know, sugar is an ingredient, not, not an additive. Uh, <laughs> okay. you, you have to dump it in while it's brewing uh, to get it super saturated. Yeah, uh, it, which is, uh, you know, you can't add the sugar afterwards. You, you just it, it won't dissolve enough. Uh, D Damien seems to be real stuck on, on the iced part that, you know, typically here uh, it, it would be sweet iced tea. Uh, and so he, he gets particularly stuck on the iced part, but it's the sweet part that's that's important. Uh the the iced you know I, I still maintain to him that that if he had to deal with summers where it was uh, you know 40 degrees Celsius and 90 percent humidity day in and day out that, that he might might want a bit of ice in his his tea on, in the afternoon as well yeah definitely <laughs> yeah we don't often get days like that here in the UK but it it is changing a bit here. <laughs> um, and he said that he really enjoyed, um, was it the cinnamon buns? There was some kind of bun that he actually um, forgot to be vegan for a few minutes just whilst he sampled those. <laughs> yeah. It, you showed him the dark ways. <laughs> well, it's it, he, he did try. He, he tried his best. Um, but there, there are a few, few local fast food restaurants I took him to and, and tried to show him uh, the best I could, the, what are often called fixins or, or side items, uh, which there, there are some, some veggie options there and, and certainly some uh, vegetarian items. But it's, it's extremely hard to, to come by complete vegan uh, options at a lot of these restaurants. I mean, a lot of U.S. Southern food comes from a time where it, it, it's a very rural and, and and it was impoverished area. So, you know, when people were making food, that they, they had flour, butter, and and milk. Like that. That's it. So, oh. Most most southern foods are are in some way derived from from those things, and it, it's very difficult to to find uh, local items that that don't have that in some way. Yeah, well, he really liked the Sonic um, cinnamon buns. I think it was. Um, yeah, well, they're, they're yeah. just these little little bites. Uh, I mean, it's it's sort of like sticky buns, but but they're filled with frosting. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Or, no, actually, I think they're filled with some sort of like cinnamony paste and, and then there's frosting that you dip them in wow uh so he he was uh yeah he he loved those and some french toast sticks from there as well uh and and, and sonic has great tots the tater tots yeah so. tater tots they're just small square potatoes is that right we don't really have yeah. them in the uk yeah i mean we don't they're, call they're them just, tots anyway i think we call them sauteed potatoes they're just shredded potatoes oh, and shredded. and then as they're fried uh, they're maybe reshaped into, you know, like a disc oh, or a cylinder like form. Like a hash brown type thing. Eggs, yeah, ba basically. It's just hash browns, oh. but shaped in, into little bites instead of fully shredded. So, yeah. you know, that pr good. probably could have made a, a great Sonic commercial with, uh, <laughs> a after Loop 1, I, I was sitting there eating my tots and he had some of his, his Cine Snacks things. 
Yeah. Missed an opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should get sponsorship from them as well. <laughs> and so, um, what do you like to eat on the Barclays? Like, um, it must be different what you eat on the way round on the loops to what you eat in camp, where you're just trying to shovel food down, it seems like. Um, what are your favourite things to eat there at the Barclays? Yeah, camp's an opportunity to get some of the stuff that is just impractical to, to have on a loop. Uh, liquids, uh, larger foods, things that would get messy or spoil uh, on a loop. Uh, uh, rice pudding is one of the things I brought back from the UK that, that I was sure to find here and, and have between loops. Uh, during the loops, I, I've kind of, this is something else that's evolved quite a bit. And nutrition needs and preferences are, are not only different between individuals, but I think they change over time for individuals. You know, my stomach's not the same that it was 10 years ago. Mm. And so I, I kind of have a bit come full circle where my first Barclay, I, I, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just use gels and, and energy bars the whole time. They're, they're nutrient dense. They're made for this stuff. It'll be perfect. And, and after 30 hours of that, my stomach just revolted and said, no more. Uh, and so I, then I, I went more and more the real food route, became more and more adventurous on that. And then some things started not agreeing with my stomach and, and giving me some major uh, problems out there with, with acid reflux and, and other things that, you know, you, you might not have to deal with when you're in your 20s. And uh, so I've, I've circled back a bit more uh, to, to kind of a, a compromise between those two, but a, a lot of uh, what I'll call engineered food, like yeah, athletic uh, engineered food. Uh, I, I have a lot of tailwind out there. Uh, that's pretty much nearly all of my hydration was, was tailwind. And it's great to have, uh, for me, uh, the liquid and the calories and the electrolytes all in one to where it's less that I have to keep track of once my mind is fried and there are only so many things I can keep track of at once. Uh, and that just, it, it works really well, uh, for me personally, uh, and, in terms of going down easily and kind of keeping my taste buds uh, awake. Uh, started uh, loops with, with Supernatural, uh, something else I, I picked up in the UK. Uh, a startup there that I, I affectionately refer to as uh, baby food for adults. <laughs> it uh, is, isn't it? I tried it, some. It's just it, it comes out and, and it's like poo. <laughs> but it tastes good. It tastes well, it's, good. It's, I'm just it's making just notes because I'm going to yeah, copy you on all this food it, advice. <laughs> it, it, it's, a nice, it's a nice puree. And I had actually started using some of my kids, uh, my daughter's baby food on, on some of these things, yeah. uh, which it, it goes down. This was before I, I discovered Supernatural. It goes down well. It doesn't require a lot of water with it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not as compact as, as some of the other options out there. Um, but then I I also uh, have recently discovered Martin or, or Morton. Oh, yeah, Morton. Yes, still I love Morton how, gels. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Um, I think it's Morton, M-A-U. Okay. I'm not sure, though. I've just been saying Morton. I might be wrong. <laughs> but but those are, are nice and, and compact, and um, they... It, they have a very kind of simple yet pleasant taste. Yeah, too. I think um, so too. And they're sort of jelly-y, aren't they? They come out, yeah. they they're not well, all squishy and sweet. And It's, yeah. when you think of what a gel should be, to me, it's the first yeah. gel that I've had that is actually a gel, gel yeah. as in like gelatin, whereas all the others out there are more of a syrup. Yes, yeah, you're totally right. Um, That's nailed it, actually. So, so those, those are my consistent ones. And, and then, uh, you know, so maybe half my calories are coming from tailwind and then I'm kind of alternating between one of those engineered foods and a real food. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe like 50, 25%, 25% and, and that real food will typically be like a, a little Debbie cake. Uh, some of the things that I, I introduced uh, Damien to, he brought me some jelly babies. Uh, oh, so I had some excellent. of those out there Do as well. Do they not have jelly babies in the USA? No, we, we have, you know, gummy bears and, and sort of similar things, but nothing that, that really has that same 
texture. So, it's like soft, isn't it? Yeah. I've tried Haribo, but it's really hard to chew it after a while, isn't it? Delicate yeah. It's just melt in the mouth. Yeah, mo most of what we have is, is more similar to, to the Haribo. Yeah, like harder, sort of squishy, but hard, if, if that <laughs> makes any sense. <laughs> and um, you just mentioned um, Damien there and, and picking up stuff from the UK again. What was it like having Damien there with you? Because um, you were going around with him um, and he said you were being really generous in showing him various things. And was that nice for you to to be to be showing all that thing, all those things to him? Um, was it it made it must have made it a bit of a different experience? It, it's it's definitely uh, it's something that, that I enjoy now that, that I've kind of gone from the, the panicked first timer out there who didn't know what they're doing to, uh, to the confident veteran, uh, gunning for the finish to, to now the finisher, uh, kind of playing tour guide a bit and, and helping, uh, other people, uh, hopefully, uh, eventually get there or get to whatever their, their goal might be. You know, my first time out there, I, I had quite a bit of, of help from, from veterans, uh, and, uh, showing me around or at least in, in me following them around. Uh, so it's, it, it's been fun to, to get to experience all, all sides of that now. Yeah, it really is part of the ethos, isn't it? Like the Barclay family, you're like, right, you start out, you get shown a bit and you sort of have a mentor a bit like at work. <laughs> it's really nice, it seems. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of told, told him after, you know, I, I got a, a lot of support in uh, Penine Way and Wainwrights and, and Grand Round and, and everything on in the UK. And some of that was from him. Uh, you know, all those people that supported me couldn't come over and, and do Barclay themselves. So I, I kind of had no choice, but, but to focus all of that on, on him <laughs> yeah. and, and, and some on, on Jasmine as well as, as much as I could, although she wasn't, um, and Nikki Spinks as well was out there and, and Tom Hollins. And, uh, so, you know, we, we weren't running together. Um, but, but again, try, tried to, uh, sh show people around as, as best I could. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? I just think that's lovely about the Barclays and the people that do the Barclays. Um, and we've got a live question from Arlene who says she noticed in one of the videos that she's seen about the Barclays that Laz puts the runners to work, like carrying logs and things. Um, for example, Jasmine was carrying wood for a fire, Jasmine Paris. Um, she wants to know, um, did Laz give you a task before the start? Uh, Laz doesn't so much give those tasks out as just people pitch in and, and help, you know, the, the, the firewood shows up the day before the race and it needs to be carried up to, to where the fire is and, uh, other little things here and there that, that need done in camp. And it's, uh, a, a small camp, a, a small group of people. And, and so people pitch in w wherever they can or, uh, you know, the, hopefully make their crew do it uh, in, <laughs> in a lot of situations so they don't wear themselves out too much before the race. Yes. Okay. So everyone just pitches in and helps. Um, and I've got a quite uh, a random question here from Tadej Cantwell. He's over in Ireland. Um, he says, this is a random question. Um, he's noticed that many US podcasts are hosted by people who say dude and bro a lot. Um, how representative is that of the trail running scene over where you are? I, I think there, there are some, some regional variations uh, here as well. Uh, you know, you, you've kind of got your, your East Coast runners and your Boulder people and your Flagstaff people and, and your California people. And, and so there's, there's some variation uh, there and, and definitely across uh, some generational changes as well but the, those are, are definitely things that you know if, if you went to a, a big ultra i think particularly out west you, you'd hear those uh quite a bit yeah are you partial to saying dude and bro yourself at all uh i, I might occasionally <laughs> let out a dude if, if it's an exclamation of some some sort like dude why why'd you do that <laughs> um 
bro is is not something that I, I think is is really in my vocabulary unless I'm saying it ironically somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or to your actual brother if you have one. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, I think you probably less to likely to to say it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could say, dude, bro, in the same sentence with him. Yeah. Um, so today says, um, as an aside, I am hoping for an Irish finisher one day because that's where he's from. That, that would be great. Yeah, we could have fingers crossed. I, I'm, I'm Irish way, way, if you go back like 200 years. Uh, oh, you know. There we go. Today Ke we have our Irish finisher. Ke <laughs> Kelly is a very, very Irish name. Yes, it is. Yes, double. There you go, today. Already done. <laughs> double finisher for you. Um, um, and then we have a question from Hannah. Um, another question from Hannah. She's the one who asked about your hand. Um, she says, another question is foot pain. Mine really deeply hurt towards the end and afterwards of a 168-mile race last month. Does it ever get better? It's the only thing that puts me off ever trying the full summer spine race. So yeah, have you got any tips on foot pain? Like, does do your feet af hurt after the Barclays? Well, there there are a lot of different types of foot pain. There's uh, there's foot soreness. Uh, there's blister pain. There's uh, you know if you actually sprain your ankle or, or do something, uh, it could start to hurt. There can be joint joint pain in, in your toes. Uh, I I somehow sometimes. Uh, deal with that just a bit uh some of those things you learn that they're just gonna come and go mm -hmm. and so you, you can kind of learn to ignore them and distract yourself or, or focus on something else um blisters that those those can be pretty devastating i mean that that's what ended my first wainwright's attempt and, and so that's definitely something that uh you need to figure out how to prevent and, and how to deal with, uh, some, some good socks. Uh, I, I try to use foot powder and, and some of the, the kind of like the athletic ointment or, or lube. Um, and, and I typically d double layer my, my socks. I go with a pair of toe socks and then a pair of normal socks uh, over top of those, uh, shoes that fit right and, and have appropriate level of, of padding. I mean, this again is, is getting into things that are, are quite individual. Um, but it's, it's very important to, to, to learn the difference between something that's annoying and might go away and something that's an actual injury and is going to uh, get worse or risk long-term damage if you continue. And there are also some things in these long multi-day races like Barkley that I kind of look at and I say, great, that this will help keep me awake. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so the uh, pain of the feet helps you stay awake. It, yeah, just, you know, if, if you can put a put a positive spin on it, a silver lining of some sort that, that can mentally help sometimes. Oh, amazing. Well, that I wasn't expecting that, but that is actually a really good positive spin to put on it I hadn't thought of it that way um, and amazingly Hannah has just got out of her work meeting and she's just joined the live broadcast so we're just answering her question just as she's arriving um, so um, so yes um, so just leading on from there you mentioned it helps you not to fall asleep how do you cope with that sleep deprivation um, because you can't really train for that can you have, do you sort of do you sort of learn by experience what to expect and deal with it that way how has it changed from all your years on the Barclays um, how do you do it uh, it is like you say you can't really train yourself to need less sleep uh, you you can learn how your body reacts, uh, what works best for you uh, in terms of sleep strategy and, and how long to nap and, and when, uh, when to take those uh, tactical uh, caffeine pills or gum or uh, gels or, or whatever else. Um, it, it's not something, uh, yeah, it, like even if you try to to practice it, I feel like you just don't get the, the true experience yeah. as, as you do if, if you're out in a race. And, and I think that trying to practice it, you end up doing more harm than good okay. uh, by, by depriving yourself of that sleep. Yeah, so it's good it is for some recovery as well, isn't it? Sleep? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. So it, it is something that I've, I've learned a lot uh, over the years of doing these these multi-day races and, and other events. And, you know, I, I, I know I, I've learned my own circadian rhythm. I, I know that there are certain times of day where I'm going to struggle. Uh, it, it's inevitable. And I know when those times come, I can even, I can either preemptively take some caffeine just before that and, and try to, to coast through it. Uh, or if, if it does hit me, I, I know that, Hey, if I can just get through this little time window, then I'll, I'll magically be okay. Uh, on the other side, I'll, I'll become awake and alert again. And so I just need to get myself through this tough stretch and, and then I'll be fine. And then otherwise learning kind of when, when you might need a, a real sleep of, you know, one, two, possibly even three hours. I, I generally try to, most of my naps are either 15 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour and a half, or three hours, uh, or at least aiming for three hours. I think a couple of times on Wainwright's, I, I, I aimed for that and, and ended up waking up after two hours, which at that point you just, you get going. Uh, nothing's worse than, than trying to sleep and not falling asleep. And then you're wasting that time. Uh, and, and so one thing that on things like Barkley where I don't need real sleep and might just take a couple naps, uh, I, I try to just take advantage of, of, dirt naps, you know, just doing it when it hits me on the trail, because I, I know that at that point in time, I, I can go to sleep quickly. I, I won't waste time trying to fall asleep or getting prepared and getting into a sleeping bag or, or into a bed or, or whatnot. I just hit the ground and I'm out and <laughs> then I get up and, and keep going. It's, it's very efficient. Yeah. Um, and, and, Damien said that you guys fell asleep on a book so that the next runner would wake you up. I think that's a genius idea. Yeah, it, it sounded genius. Uh, unfortunately, the next runner showed up like 30 seconds later, <laughs> so we didn't actually yeah. get any sleep. <laughs> yeah, um, and Running Geek Girl says, John Kelly um, is the creator of the John Kelly nap. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm not sure what she I, means. I, I, I guess guess it could be. Uh, I, I've done a, a number of, of those dirt naps in some uh, interesting locations, uh, particularly at Barkley. Uh, you know, there's my second attempt uh, back in 2016. I, I finished my fourth loop and only had like, I mean, I was, I was pretty far out of it, but only had like 10 minutes left to start my fifth loop. So I, um, I started my fifth loop and, and made it, you know, maybe a hundred feet, uh, 200 feet up, up the road there, just from the gate, still within full sight of camp and just laid down and, and took a nap. So that's, that's, th that became known as, as upper Kelly camp. Uh, I, I, I don't recommend it. It's, it's got quite the, uh, the bug infestation. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, well, at least everyone could see that you were safe <laughs> and maybe, um, you know, the clamor of camp would have woken you up so you wouldn't sleep for too long. Um, and Arlene says, does John ever have hallucinations? Um, yeah, I thought that was, it was quite funny, the hallucination that wasn't hallucination that you wrote about in your blog. Yeah, I've, uh, I've never had uh, a hallucination. I, I feel like I'm missing out a bit here. I've, I've had those things that, you know, out of the corner of my eye, maybe I see a tree that looks like a person and, but then I look at it and say, oh no, that's a tree. Yeah. But uh, I've never what? had. I've had those when I'm not sleep deprived. I just, yeah. I see stuff in stuff if the, throughout the corner of your eye, even if it's like a little bit dark or in shadow or it's just, you're just running along. So yeah. yeah. It's uh, I, I haven't had the, the full on persistent hallucinations where it's, it's kind of like, oh, I see a purple unicorn flying in front of me and it's still there. And I know it's hallucination and it's <laughs> still there. I, I haven't had that sort of thing. And so I, I don't I feel like it, it, it'd be great to experience it just, just once to, to yeah. see what people are talking about. I more, my problem is, is I just, I can't 
stay awake. I can't stay on my feet. I'll, I'll start stumbling along the trail and just at, at risk of falling over and, and napping uh, right, right there uh, unwillingly. And so I, I was trying to do that uh, on loop five this year and was trying to, to nap and some, the alarm on my watch didn't work. And so I was trying to nap in some very uncomfortable spots uh, so that uh, after a brief period, uh, my body would become more uncomfortable than it was sleepy uh, and wake itself up so I could get going without sleeping through the end of the race. And so one of those were some, some muddy tire tracks that, that I found uh, alongside a, a trail. And I, I laid, yeah, I laid down in those and uh, looked up and, and saw one of my my friends from one of my childhood friends, uh, and he just kind of said, oh, "Oh, hey there." Uh, hey, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he just said, "Oh, hey, that's that's a John Kelly nap if, if I've ever seen one." And <laughs> I I'm not I can't remember what exactly I said. I mumbled something about it being Barkley and Loop Five, and I just needed a little nap. And uh, he kept going with his family, and I think his his wife. It gave me a bit of a, a weird look, as she should have. Um, but it was, it, was, it was him, his, his wife, and, and two kids. And I didn't fully process it at the time. But after the race, I was like, no, that couldn't have actually happened. I finally had a hallucination. <laughs> what are the chances that, like, out on a Thursday morning in the middle of Frozen Head, one of the few places on the course where you might actually see someone, where you're not off trail in, in the woods. Uh, I see my childhood friend that I haven't seen or talked to in 20 years. And I recognize him immediately in my sleep deprived state. And he just continues on as if everything's normal. Uh, seeing someone lying in muddy tire tracks in, in the woods trying to take a nap. Yeah. So, uh, I thought for sure that that I'd finally had that that full-on hallucination, and and I tracked him down and sent him a message, and he responded with, "Oh no, that was us." <laughs> I, I I knew I knew about Barkley and uh, your your uh, your naps out there before, so thought thought it was best to to not disturb you and oh. let you uh, let you get to it. That's so sweet. Oh, so the hallucination wasn't hallucination at the end. How disappointing. <laughs> Um, and so you mentioned before just about low patches, like when you're really sleep deprived. Um, but there was another time, wasn't there, when it was it was kind of coming up the early hours of the morning and you were having some stomach issues and that was a low patch as well. Um, how can, can you give me just one yeah. second? I'll, I'll be right back. Sure. John's just gone to turn off a thing that's making a high pitched noise. And Richard Sudworth says, no criticism of what any runner's preference is. I was just thinking Barkley must be the extreme end of terrain cruelty and being defeated by the course, rather your own fitness is interesting. Yes, that's really interesting. Definitely. There's a lot of briars out there, isn't there? And, and um, yeah, and mud and uh, steep hills, rocks, everything is designed not to let you carry on. Um, and Antonio Cardinelli says, hello, John and Claire. Um, and we're going to ask a couple more questions and then um, then I'm going to let John go to the rest of his day. Um, but Arlene has a question about uh, John coming back to the UK, so we'll ask him that in a minute. But he's back now. You're back. Was there a high-pitched noise? I thought I could hear a high-pitched noise. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Was it the high-pitched noise okay, that great. you went... That you went to deal with. Yes, yes. Yeah, it sounded Sorry like about a, that. a kettle boiling. No, it was it was an alarm going off. Oh, okay. Someone breaking in. <laughs> Be yeah, them until yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so we're just drawing to the, like the ending few questions of the interview, um, and I was just wondering. Um, because I really enjoy reading your posts on Instagram and you've got loads of learnings on there. Um, but I was wondering in the six times that you've done the Barclays, what has been your biggest learning point that you have just personally taken from doing it so many times and completing it twice? Um, I know you've got a lot on there, but is there just one that you're like, yeah, this is a real big one? 
I think that that in general, uh, and just from ultras uh, of of kind of the the lesson that that things don't always get worse. Uh, you know, it, it might seem like uh, you're in a tough spot and and things are continually getting tougher and headed downhill to an inevitable crash and burn. Uh, but uh, in these sorts of of long events and, and other long-term things you can push through and, and pop back out of those uh and uh you know maybe reach eventual success maybe not what the original goal was but there's uh th- there's there's a whole spectrum uh be- between success and, and failure here it's it's not as as binary of an outcome as uh many things are, are made out to be yeah that's a really good learning point. Um, and I've read some stuff about why you personally do the Barclays, like basically life's too easy in the office and you like to like promote these learnings. Um, but I really liked your quote that you said, we do not go to the Barclay to suffer. It does seem a bit like that sometimes. We go for the opportunity to overcome the obstacles that cause it and to push our limits towards improbable success. Do you feel like you have pushed your limits towards improbable improbable success now or is there still much learning and growth to be done uh there's there's always uh more that can be done uh in in one area or the 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 other i mean that's another thing i enjoy about these types of events there's a lot of complexity to them there's a lot of variables uh there are a lot of different things that that we can learn and and work on uh and so you know my my relationship and my mindset and, and my goals as far as Barkley uh, goes have, have changed over the years and, and it is quite different now uh, but there is uh, it's it's still something that I, I feel I, I can learn from the experience and I enjoy the experience uh, I, I still uh, have a chance out there as, as well and, and can help improve other people's chances so uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's still uh, plenty for me to do there. Yeah, so um, with that in mind, will you be trying to go back next year if Laz will have you? Uh, well, he has no choice in the matter. Oh, um, because once, you won. You get to go yeah, back. Yeah, oh, yeah. once yes, you, you finish, you, you have a, a guaranteed entry. Ah, amazing. <laughs> um, so, it, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's, again, all those things, and, and I live... Uh, I'm back living quite close to it now, and it, it doubles as a trip home to see family. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't know specifically next year. I mean, maybe, probably, but we'll just have to see how the, the schedule works out, if there are other things uh, in that time frame that, that I really want to do uh, that, that might interfere uh, now and then. But otherwise, you know, sure. Yeah, if there's no dance recitals, um then you'll be free to go Um, and Arlene says might John become a coach at some point Uh, I I don't know I mean I I hardly have the the time to uh, get my own training halfway right uh, these days but if I'm ever able to uh, kind of make an exit from my my professional life and and my actual career uh, and, and move on from that uh, then, you know, maybe uh, one of these days if I, if I have a bit more time and uh, freedom on my hands. Yeah, so it'd be like a different job rather than doing it as extra. To- no, I don't think no one can fit that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Arlene also wants to know, um, uh, she says, Hi, will you be ever going back to the UK? She lives in the USA. Um, will you be ever going back to the UK? And how about the DC area, which I don't actually know what that is. I'm just presuming it's a place in America. Yeah, so I'll, you know, I'll hope, hope to be back in the UK and take on some additional challenges there, some some unfinished things that, that I never quite got done, or, or maybe um, revisit some some of my great experiences that that, that I had. 
the the DC area is is Washington uh, oh, DC. Okay, Washington uh, DC. Yeah, I was like D, like Detroit. Like, what? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> D- DC itself is is quite. It's a, a tiny little box um, shoved in between Virginia and, and Maryland. And so the DC area is, or or the DMV for for DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Uh, I I lived there for for five years. Uh, before moving to the UK, and so um, yeah, you know, I'll definitely revisit sometime. Uh, maybe do it, do a race or, or something up there. But but definitely, as as the kids get older, if nothing else, want to take a trip and and see some of some of DC sites and, and maybe revisit some of our our old neighborhood that they might not remember much at, at the time. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And are you allowed to say, like, are you wanting to keep it a secret what things that you might have planned in the UK in the future? Um, it's no problems if you don't want to tell us, but I just wondered if we could be nosy. Yeah, the, there's, uh, I mean, still still a lot of uncertainty uh, around those. Uh, I mean, it'd be, be great to, to revisit the, the spine at some point in time. Uh, maybe some variation on on something like the, like the Grand Round. Uh Swimming. I, you need to add swimming to the grand round. <laughs> you need to do a frog Graham, a frog Graham round. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. Swimming's swimming's not my thing. Uh, oh, I did, did I thought you were triathlon. I thought you were triathlete. Oh, I, I was, and and swimming is one of the primary reasons why I'm no longer <laughs> a triathlete. Oh, but I'm sure you'd be better than most people at swimming. Uh, most runners aren't very good at swimming, so you uh, could just, you know, dip a toe in. <laughs> uh, the I also. Uh, came up short in all my attempts at, at unsupported winter rounds, uh, which those were just, those were amazing experiences. Uh, well, three of the four were amazing experiences. The other had some quite uh, terrible weather. Yeah, uh, it's really dicey. It, yeah, I mean, that's that's something that would be fun to, to give another go out and, uh, and again, relive the experience if uh, it, it even if I'm I'm still not successful at them. Yeah, yeah, we do get some good winters sometimes in the UK. Um, and uh, Arlene says that she remembers you from the Miners Lady eight-hour race a few years ago. So sounds like a good race. And today she says, would John do a backyard ultra? It's something I'd love to try uh, at some point. Uh, I, I for a while. Uh, definitely had big big dogs backyard on, on my radar uh these these days that that has grown uh, tremendously and, and these days Laz is quite strict uh, on that on on you need to have a, a qualifier uh in in order to to do it and uh, th- to be honest i mean those those sorts of things they they take a lot as far as the the effort itself uh the time spent on it and then the time spent recovering and and for me, uh, typically I, I can kind of do about three big things per year, mm-hmm. and so if it's something like that where where I have the event itself and and then I have also a qualifier. I mean, it's it's taking up with with two out of three. It's it's taking up most of my year there. And and at yeah. this point in time, uh, I I don't know that that's something I want to sink that amount of time into yeah. one of these days uh, I'm, I'm sure but, yeah. but we'll see yeah you've got to got to devote a whole year to stuff like that haven't you like then you're just doing one thing per year really um but it sounds like an exciting year ahead of you um i just have some quick fire questions before we end the chat um are you up for a few quick fire questions sure you just got to give one answer so okay flapjack or gels <sighs> Uh, I mean, just flapjack. Personally, yeah, you prefer that. Yeah, gels are situational. Flapjacks are always good. Excellent answer. And um, after a race, beer or wine? Uh, Well, if I had to go with with one with something along those lines, it'd it'd be whiskey. But (laughs) but mostly, I'm. I'm I'm looking for for something with with a bit more uh, recovery uh, value to it after a race. Yeah. Oh, so whiskey's got a better recovery value, has it? 
No, no, none of those oh. do um, very <laughs> oh, much. Right, okay. um, so, so if I'm going for something without that, I'd, I'd go yeah, with whiskey. Go with whiskey, uh, but definitely not tea, not a cup of hot tea. No. No, definitely not that. Um, okay, a Kindle or a real book? I know books are a big thing in the Barclays, so interested to see what you say here. I, I don't I don't have a, a lot of time uh, for, for reading uh, these days. So if, if anything, I, I'd have to take choice C and go with audio books. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, listen to it on your run. I like the way you're just like totally reframing this whole quick fire questions and adding your own. There. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, OK, so music on your run, like with headphones or birdsong, which do you prefer? Yeah, I don't listen to anything on my runs. Uh, that, that's my one time of day to kind of disconnect and, and not have to think about anything or not have to have uh, any external noise and, and distractions coming my way. Ah, so no audiobooks on the run then, audiobooks just no. doing chores and stuff. Yeah. I see. And uh, art, classical art or modern art? Uh, not much of an art person, so what little I know uh, about those two, I, I'd have to go with, with classical. Okie dokie. Um, camping or a holiday cottage? Uh, if it's just me camping, uh, if it's with my family, uh, at this point, a, a cottage. As the kids get older, uh, the, the switched camping there. Yeah, definitely easier in a holiday cottage with kids. Um, two more, seaside run or mountain run? Uh, mountain, but you know, good places in the UK, you can have both. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good point. And would you plant a tree or take a race t-shirt? Uh, tree, uh, for, for this point, you know, there's that occasional, very, very special race where I might want a memento, but for the most part, definitely, uh, the, the tree there. So worked with with trees not teas <laughs> yeah. uh, quite a bit over the past few years and they're, they're a great organization yes brilliant well that they're all brilliant answers john i love the ones that you just made up as well <laughs> thanks so much it was really brilliant to chat to you this lunchtime and congratulations again obviously on your second barclays um and i hope your training this year goes really really well and hope to see you in the uk sometime and at the next barclays possibly thanks so much have awesome. a great day. Awesome. Thank you so much, John, and bye, everyone. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.